Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. I want you to take your Bibles and go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. These two little kids are in the hospital and they're uh, lying on beds next to each other outside the OR. The first kid leans over and asks the other one, he says, what are you in for? He says, I'm here to get my tonsils out and I'm a little nervous about it. The other kid said, oh, don't worry about that. He said, uh, I had that procedure done when I was four years old. He said, they put you to sleep. When you wake up, you get tons of jello and ice cream. It's a, it's, a, it's a breeze, man. So the other kid says, well, what are you in for? And he says, ah, uh, uh, circumcision. The second kid says, whoa, I had that done when I was born. I couldn't walk for a year. <laughs> David is about to face his greatest challenge. The champion warrior giant by the name of Goliath. Been a champion since his youth. And he has proposed a a fight with one man, one of Israel's men. They had been encamped against each other, the Philistines and Israel. But Goliath steps out one day and offers this challenge. Send me a man. And whoever wins that hand-to-hand, one-on-one combat, that nation that they represent, <clears throat> the, the one who wins, the other nation will serve them. All right? So I will represent Uh, The Philistines and whoever your guy is will represent Israel, and the winner prevails. He did this, and nobody took him up on his challenge because he was, you know, fierce in stature. Uh, He was heavily armed, uh, had the reputation of being a champion from his youth. He was daunting, and so for 40 days, he offers his challenge, and nobody takes him up on it. Many times, whenever you're Facing your biggest challenge, say a giant in your life. But there are other things along the way that you train for and you prepare for. Prepare with, I should say, in order to face the bigger challenges. There are lions and there are bears. There are other problems. And if you treat everything like it's the giant, then you're never going to have the right perspective on how to overcome. The giant can be either positive or negative. It can be a dream in your heart, you know, um, a goal, a vision that you have. Or, so you're going to have to learn to take the necessary steps and walk the necessary process for it to materialize. On the negative side, a giant can be a huge problem in your life. Um, a bad relationship, a health issue, a disease, financial issue, a sin. So in order to get a grasp on how to beat this giant going to have to develop an overcoming lifestyle to develop that. And it happens in the daily routines of thoughts, words, and actions. And learning how to beat the smaller issues, the smaller problems like the lions and the bears that we're going to compare this to from the scripture before overcoming the giant. So many times the little things are overlooked and ignored and pushed to the side or procrastinated which I'm a master of procrastination. And I know I'm not by myself on this. 
I have mastered it well, but I don't want to be a master of that anymore. Uh, because the truth is, procrastination, you know, pushing things aside, all they do is just pile up, right? That doesn't make them go away. Make the world go away. But it's not going to happen. They don't go away. Anybody remember that song? Some of you are old enough to remember that song. You'll spend more energy over time dodging these things, right? And just uh, having nothing to do with them rather than just dealing with them. My wife can attest to that about me once or twice in our life, in our marriage. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 28. Let's look what this says. You guys are way too quiet for 10 o'clock in the morning. I mean, football's happening today. That's why some of you came to the early service. <laughs> All right, now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, why did you come down here, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Man, this guy's a jerk, isn't he? He's just a jerk. This is his older brother, right? He's calling him out in front of everybody. With whom have you left those few sheep? In other words, you don't do anything important, David. You come down here to see this. He's sent by his dad, right? I want you to, if, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, make the decision to do it and then write this down, okay? <laughs> Never underestimate the importance of where you are and what you do. Never underestimate the importance of where you are and what you do. Yeah, but I don't like my job. Never underestimate the importance of where you are and what you do. David was in the wilderness with his father's sheep. That's what his brother said. With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? Watching a few sheep in the wilderness doesn't seem like it's all that important, apparently to some. But let me say this, wherever you are, be there. Be there. Don't just be looking somewhere else, wishing you were somewhere else, thinking about somewhere else or some other time. It's fine to dream and to look for it, but you also have to be where you are. You have to see where you are and live in that moment. This, you know, to be cognizant, I should say, of the presence of God that is with you right now. Um, because he may be about to do something. You got to be ready. Don't turn your faith off, right? Especially when you go out of these doors. Don't turn. As a matter of fact, kick it up a notch <laughs> when you walk out of here today. Amen. Because your destination, many times, you'll find is what happens between two points. And God performs great miracles in the margins of life. And and uh, but if you're not there, then you won't be a part of those miracles. There are a couple of guys in the scripture in Acts, uh, the book of Acts chapter 6, I believe, is where they were having these issues as the church is just beginning. It's in its um, <clears throat> infancy, and um, there's this squabbling that takes place between these widows, all right, because the church was giving bread out every day to, these, to support these widows who, you know, couldn't support themselves, but there were different sects of uh, widows here. Some were what they called Hellenistic Jews and some were authentic Jews. The Hellenistic Jews were Jews, but they were those who lived by the Greek culture. And to a, a, a staunch Jew, that was just, you might as well just be a Gentile. So there's this squabbling and the Hellenistic Jews were complaining that they were being um, overlooked in the distributing of the bread. 
And, and they probably were because, you know, they were very prejudiced then. And, and so Peter says, listen, we don't have time to be messing with this. We've got to give ourselves to the word and to prayer. Let's, let's raise up some guys <laughs> to take care of this. Anybody want to volunteer for that, guys? Huh? Get in the middle of those squabbling widows and keep the peace. Yeah, that's, that's the job I want. This is, their, this is their position, their responsibility, their service in the church, right? They raise up seven guys. And, and these guys, the Bible says, they were men who were full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, if you're going to mess with widows, you need faith and the Holy Spirit. All right? And so seven of them, two of them, we know very well by name is Stephen and Philip. And it says they took that position, that humble assignment of keeping the peace, and then the Bible says that God began to perform signs and wonders at the hands of Stephen. Miracles broke out when he just did what he was called to do in that moment. And though he had a job, I guarantee you, that had not much pleasure in it. But God began to use him. God began to open up miracles through his humble assignment. Philip was also one who, who went and preached in uh, a, a certain city. And as a matter of fact, he, there's a, the treasurer of Egypt, I mean, not Egypt, Ethiopia was on his way. He was in a chariot. And uh, at that time, the queen of Ethiopia was a woman named Candace. And, and so he's heading back to Ethiopia and he's on, he's in this uh, chariot and Philip hears him reading Isaiah. And so he runs after this guy. And the guy invites him up into the chariot, and he says, do you know what you're reading? And the guy says, how, how can I possibly understand what I'm reading if nobody will tell me what it's about? Well, the Bible says that, that Philip, then from that passage of Scripture, and Isaiah, it was Isaiah 53, what he was reading. And, and from that moment, he preached Jesus to him throughout the Scriptures. And so after it was you know, after he taught him this, the man said, I, I need to be baptized. I, I believe this. I believe this. So they pulled over by a river and Philip baptized him. And as Philip baptized him, all of a sudden, boom, the Lord just translated him. And he was in another city walking around like, well, how did I get here? These are two deacons who just were taking care of keeping the peace. And then God started doing miraculous things things with them where they were. Never underestimate the importance of where you are and what you do. Let's go back to 1 Samuel 17. Look at verse 31, the, the latter part. I know your pride. This is his older brother telling him, talking to him. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart for you have come down to see the battle. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, really, Eliab kind of puts himself in the place of God, right? I know you're probably the insolence of heart. Only God sees the heart. I mean, God made that clear, right? Man sees the outside, but God looks at the heart. But at the same time, you know, if, think about it. If you're David, if I'm David, I'm going to be like, okay, all right, I'm, enough of the insults. First of all, who's running scared here, Eliab? Every day you're running for your life from this giant. So what, what about, what, here's what I've come to see. I've come to see you scream like a girl and run off when the giant walks out. So, yeah, what was I thinking? How dare I even think of leaving those few sheep in the wilderness to come watch you run? But he didn't say that. 
David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? What have I now done? Is there not a cause? The next thought I want you to remember when it comes to fighting your battles is to remember the cause. Remember the cause. Say it with me. Remember the cause. Turn to somebody and tell them. Remember the cause. Because everywhere you are, people are in need. Let your light so shine before men. Remember, this is bigger than us. You know, and when you're, when you're facing your own battles, it's good for you to take that time to help somebody else who's in trouble. Reach out to someone else. Give of yourself in that way. And you open yourself up to receive from the Lord. It, like I said, today's um, the season, week one of season of football. And um, one part, how many of you ever been to a football game? I mean, you live in Texas. Right? Yeah, it should be just about every. Or, or you've seen it on TV. Part of the part of the game is that there's a huddle that takes place, isn't there? Right. The offense huddles up, and that's when the quarterback gives them the 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 play. And then, but you know that's part of the game. That's not why you go, though, is it? I mean, that's not. I can't wait till they huddle. It's my favorite part of the game. I like watching these men hug each other. You know. You don't know what, <laughs> you know it's part of the game, but that's not the point. What you are there to see is, will they execute or can they execute on the field that which they huddled about? Hmm? See, it's, it's, not, it's not such a big deal that the world, the unbeliever, knows that the Christian goes to church. They know you huddle together here on Sunday mornings, right? But what they really need to see is not the, the huddling. They need to see, can you execute in life? right? What we're huddling about here on Sunday mornings. Can you carry out this gospel? Can you live by faith as you talk about in your huddle? Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing, and these people answered him as the first ones did. Verse 31, now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. So here's the deal. The reason David, he turns to another and asking the same thing, the reason, or they're telling him the same thing, is because the news got out that if to the one who slew this giant, they would get the king's daughter, they would be tax-free, and they would get great wealth. That's a pretty good deal. The guy who beats the giant. So David hears it and he says, wait, 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 say that one more time. So somebody else tells it. He hears it three times. And the people, people talk about you know, the reason that David took on this Philistines because David was a covenant man and he knew he was not a covenant man, that the giant, that's part of it. But David asked, had to hear three times, what does the guy get who beats the giant? I think that was the, probably the biggest cause. This is really, well, what's that? one more time. You get the king's daughter. Is she pretty? You get... Riches and you're tax-free. Ah, that's a good deal. Look at verse 32. Then David said to Saul, so now he comes before Saul. I love this young man. Now imagine this is a teenage kid, right? Somewhere about a teenage, about that age, 16, 17 maybe. And so Saul sends for him because he hears this young man talking like nobody else is talking, right? Everybody else is just giving up. And it, but there's this Wait, there's, there's hope. There's an opportunity. There's, this guy sounds awfully optimistic out there. And so Saul sends for him, and here's what David says as soon as he sees the king. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. Wow. In the midst of all of this fear-producing situation, David decides he's not going to fall for it. 
he takes courage. I want you to write that down too. Take courage. <laughs> Take courage. In every fear-producing situation, there's also courage to be taken. Remember, the Lord told his disciples that several times. Do not be afraid. Take courage. It is I. I'm with you. Huh? The, the king, David's older brothers, the whole army of Israel had taken fear, but David took courage. Verse 33, and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. In other words, you are inexperienced. And he, a man of war from his youth. It's interesting how much Saul seemed to know about this giant and how much he forgot about his God. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. Used to. Yeah, used to. It was like this morning I was keeping my father's sheep. But David knows that there's a shift happening in his life right now. God has set him up for something new. I used to keep my father's sheep. This is awesome, isn't it? And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and beat the snot out of it. Is that what it says? Struck it and killed it. Wait, whose sheep are these? His father's sheep. And David's acting like they're his. David's putting his life on. He's chasing a lion down, chasing a bear down for his dad's sheep. I mean, come on. Hey, listen, I don't own this company. <laughs> Why do I need to give all, everything I've got? Huh? It's not my business. I just work here. I clock in and clock out. Y'all got real quiet on me all of a sudden. You're not supposed to do that. Take ownership of your responsibilities. Take ownership of your responsibilities. David treated those sheep like they're his. He went after that lion. He went after that bear. It's amazing. Verse 36, your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. Notice who he's given the credit to here. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Trust the Lord to lead you. Trust the Lord to lead you. And you can trust him by looking back at what he has done. What he has done for you. When he has been there for you. When there was that breakthrough. There was that shift in your life. When the good thing came. When things got restored. Right? When you got your health back again. Or whatever it may be. You got that promotion. You found that one to, uh, to marry for the rest of your life. Whatever it is, you got to look back and recall those victories in your life. This is what he did. No doubt David lost, as a shepherd, I promise you, he lost sheep. Sheep died. But this isn't the moment to talk about the defeats. This is the moment when he's facing his greatest challenge to remember what God has done. All right? You need to recall the victories in your life. Lord, I know if you did it before, then you have to do it again because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that I will trust you to lead me because you've led me before. You've never led me astray. You've always brought me up and over. Hallelujah. You've made me more than a conqueror, so I'm expecting to win again. I'm, I'm expecting to overcome. And if you'll acknowledge the Lord in everything, then you will absolutely see the Lord in everything. Trust the Lord to lead you. 
It's interesting how strong David is here. What, what is it about him that gives him this confidence? I, and I do believe it has to do with the fact that the, this giant who doesn't have a covenant with God has decided to challenge the people who do. And I do believe that is one of the motivating factors here for David because he says this uncircumcised Philistine, right? But the name of the Lord is what David brought here. I want, I want you to ooh, quickly go to the book of Psalms chapter 23. You know where that is? It's right after Psalms 22 and just before Psalms 24. You're welcome. It is believed by many scholars that David said the words of this great psalm as he was approaching the battlefield to face this giant known as Goliath. And there's pretty good evidence actually to support this belief because in all of the psalms, the Hebrew word G-Y, Gi or Gai or whatever, however you want to pronounce it, is translated as valley, is only found in Psalms 23, verse 4. Likewise, in, in all the historical accounts of David's life, the same word is found only, watch, in this chapter of 1 Samuel 17 that we've been reading. It's used twice. In verse 3, it says the, the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them. There's that word. Now, and then verse 52 of that same chapter, now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley and to the gates of Ekron. So Israel has a covenant with God. And in that covenant, God revealed himself to them as I am that I am, right? Moses said, who do I say is sending me? And he says, I am that I am. Whatever you need me to be, I am that. That's what he's saying. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? In other words, I am is the name given so that you see no limits to who I am or what I can do. This is God's wide open invitation to us. Just say my name. There, there are covenant names of God that only Israel at this time was privy to. And in this psalm, we will discover quickly seven of those covenant names. It's really extraordinary. In these six verses... And I don't believe for one second that these are here by chance. The Lord is my, what? Shepherd. shepherd I shall not want. It's the Jehovah-Rohi, R-O-H-I. The Lord is my shepherd. Didn't Jesus say that? I am the shepherd. To him the door opens, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Verse two, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. There's Jehovah Shalom. Shalom, the Lord my peace. The Prince of Peace. Isaiah says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Ephesians 2.14 says, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. He restores my soul, Jehovah Rapha, Rophe, Rapha, some people say, R-O-P-H-E, is the Lord my healer. He restores my soul. The word says, 
who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Beloved, I pray, 3 John 1, 2, that you may prosper in all things and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Verse 3 of Psalms 23, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I like this word, Jehovah Tzidkenu. It's T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U, Tzidkenu, and it is the Lord my righteousness. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that beautiful? Here it is. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love that. That's Jehovah Shammah, S-H-M-M-A-H, and it means the Lord my companion. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Hallelujah. He himself has said, Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Amen. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Here's Jehovah Nisi, N-I-S-S-I. It means the Lord, my victory. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I'm feasting on the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. He has seated me at a banqueting table right in the presence of my enemies. In other words, I'm in a position, a seated position of victory. I'm not having to fight the fight. God already did it. He took care of it. He disarmed every principality. Amen. And all the power of the, of the enemy has been vanquished. You are of God, little children, 1 John 4, 4. I love this. And have overcome them. Have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Next part of verse 5. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. This is Jehovah Mikadesh. And it means the Lord my sanctifier. Hebrews 10.10 says that by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. In verse 6, surely goodness and mercy, say say this verse with me, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord my provider. Peter says, as his divine power is given to us, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And lastly, 1 Samuel 17, 45, this is what David says to the Philistine. Now you'll understand the real power of this after knowing what he's saying here in Psalms 23 when he's about to face this giant. And he declares, the Lord my shepherd, the Lord my peace, the Lord my healer, the Lord my righteousness, the Lord my companion, the Lord my victory, the Lord my sanctifier, and the Lord my provider. I said seven, there's eight. (laughs) Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. I see you are a heavily armed giant, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And you know the rest of the story that the Bible says that David ran toward the giant. Amen. And with that slingshot swinging over his head. And when he released that stone, the Bible says it sank deep into the giant's forehead and he fell flat 
face down on the ground. Then David, that wasn't enough for him because he told him he's going to take his head from him. <laughs> and so he ran up to Goliath, having no sword. He pulled Goliath's own sword out of his sheath and cut off that stupid giant's head. And Israel routed the Philistines on that day. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into that strong tower and are saved. Remember that. Remember to call upon the name of the Lord when you're facing your troubles because his name is above every name that is named. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for the name of Jesus, that it's your name, God, that has the delivering power in it. Thank you, Lord, that in your name, Lord, we are set free. There is no other name given among men in heaven or in earth by which we must be saved. It is by the name of Jesus, hallelujah, that we are healed, that we are lifted up, that we are victorious, that we are saved. Thank you, Lord, for that, that we overcome in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I thank you that, that right now you're a very present help, your word says, in times of trouble. Whatever trouble uh, someone here may be facing today, Lord, it is not greater than he who is in them. And I thank you, Father God, for helping us to just remember, remember the Lord our God right now. David said, magnify the Lord with me. Let's get him big in our sights, amen, to speak of the Lord, to think on the Lord in these times, to magnify him so that our trouble will not overwhelm us. Thank you, Lord. You've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's through your exceeding great and precious promises, Lord, that we are partakers of the divine nature, that we are partakers of who you are and what you have, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that you always give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, and you always lead us in triumph. Thank you, Lord, that this trouble is temporary, but Father God, your word endures forever. So we put our eyes on you, and we get your word in our mouths, and we choose to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, because you who promised are faithful. Thank you for that in Jesus' precious name. Thank you for the greatest promise that ever came to us. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. Whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. Thank you for that glorious gospel. And we stand on it today, Lord. We believe it and we thank you for the freedom and the liberty that comes with believing your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.